Hi, I'm Pastor Lisa. If you have your Bibles today, would you join me and turn to 2 Chronicles chapter 7. As you turn there, I want to remind you that in 2 Chronicles, we read about King Solomon. King Solomon had built the royal palace and a temple for the Lord. After the completion of the royal palace and the temple, he dedicated it to the Lord, and the Lord himself came down and approved it by appearing to Solomon at night and letting him know that he had chosen this temple for his worship and sacrifices. We continue on in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, starting from verse 11, which says, When Solomon had finished the temple of the Lord and the royal palace and had succeeded in carrying out all he had in mind to do in the temple of the Lord and in his own palace, the Lord appeared to him at night and said, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a temple for sacrifices. When I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain or command locusts to devour the land or send a plague among my people, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayers offered in this place. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, indeed we thank you for this time that we can dive into your word. We thank you, O oh God, for the many truths that we can learn, and we pray that you would open up our minds and our hearts to hear from you. Help us, Lord, to listen and to be obedient as your Holy Spirit leads us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Although God accepted Solomon's temple for sacrifice, God desired even more that his people would live in ways that were pleasing to him. You see, we can work as hard as we want for God, do as much as we can for God, but all of it is useless to him unless our hearts are in the right place, unless our hearts and our lives are right with him. I believe Samuel got it right when he said in chapter 15, verse 22 of 1 Samuel, what is more pleasing to the Lord than burnt offerings and sacrifices or your obedience to his voice? Listen, obedience is better than sacrifice and submission is better than offering of the fat rams. God desires our obedience to him above all else. No matter what we can offer him, the thing that he wants is our obedience to him. In times like these, we need to especially look at our lives and our relationship with God. We can look at the different things that are going on around us, but one of the most important things is for us to examine our relationship with God Almighty, to see how he may be tugging at our hearts and encouraging us to change. Right now, we are in a global pandemic. COVID-19 is something that has affected the whole world in different ways, in various different ways. And sure, we can point at those people and blame them or blame that country. But I want you to understand this. In verse 13, God specifically says, when I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain, or when I command locusts to devour the land, or when I send a plague among my people. What God is saying is that when 
I, God, do these things. God is clearly telling us that there are times in life where he allows or he causes or initiates these things to happen for whatever reason he may choose. And so we need to not point fingers, but to look at why this is being allowed to happen and examine our relationship with Christ. Right now in our world, we need to see what is going on. And God tells us exactly when these things happen, what we are to do. In verse 14, it says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. God is clearly telling us what to do when we face these kind of times. He's telling us what we should do. And notice something else. In this passage, God says his people, if my people, that is his people. So what does that mean to be God's people? his people. Well, that means those who claim to worship the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And for us today, those who are followers of Jesus Christ. That means that he's not talking to the lost. He's not talking to the world. He's not even talking to those who don't yet know him. In fact, it's the complete opposite. Right now in this passage, he's talking to those who do know him, those who understand who he is, those who recognize him as their God. He's talking to us as believers. And he says, if my people, he's referring to us who do know him right now. So if God is speaking to us, we need to understand what is he saying? What is he saying to us? Well, when these things happen, he tells us, number one, we need to humble ourselves before God. We need to humble ourselves before God. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves. To humble ourselves means God is first thing, that we put aside who we are and what we are, and we put God first and acknowledge who he is. Samuel Morse was a famous inventor. He was once asked if he ever encountered situations where he didn't know what to do. Morse responded more than once, and whenever I could not see my way clearly, I knelt down and prayed to God to light my way and give me understanding. Morse received many honors from his invention of the telegraph and felt so undeserving of this honor. He says, I have made a valuable application of electricity not because I was superior to other men, but solely because God who meant it for mankind must reveal it to someone and he was pleased to reveal it to me. This man, who had a lot to be prideful of and boast about, gave God all the credit. When I think of the disciples, and especially the Apostle Paul, who the Holy Spirit revealed so many wonderful visions and revelations to him, he talks about the fact that he had so much to boast about, yet he chose to boast about Christ. He chose to give God all of that honor and glory. 
To humble ourselves is to recognize God for who he is and who we are not. James chapter four, verse 10 says, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. And here's a harsh truth. Some of us are very full of ourselves. And in order for us to exalt God, we need to stop being so full of who we think we are and who we think that we deserve to be and recognize that it is only because of the grace of God that we are where we are, that we have what we have, that we are even here today. Humility does not mean thinking less of yourself or having a lower opinion of itself. In fact, it means that we put this holy God that we worship first and understand that in his presence, we are all simply sinners in need of a savior. And we can look at God and humble ourselves before him and acknowledge how much we truly need him. And especially in times like this, we need God more than ever. There are times where we may think more highly of ourselves, but in Isaiah, he reminds us that our righteousness are like filthy rags before God, that we have nothing of value to offer God, but just ourselves, and God cleans us up and he makes us new. Are you being humble before God? Maybe it's time for you to truly humble yourself before God and acknowledge how much you and we truly need him, especially now more than ever. As D.L. Moody once said, be humble or you'll stumble. The second thing that God tells us to do in times like this is number two, we need to pray and seek God now more than ever. Pray and seek God now more than we ever have. He says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face. I don't mean when we say pray to just pray some quick little three-minute prayer. And it's okay to have those quick three-minute prayers, but if that is all that our spiritual lives are being built on, then our relationship with Christ will suffer. There's a time and place for those prayers, but we need to get into God's word, to get that intimate time with God, to spend that quality time with him. And when I talk about praying and seeking, it's a praying and seeking so desperately that we desire to hear from God, that we desire to hear his voice, that we desire to see his hand at work, that we des desire to see him move in our lives. To seek God out means to be desperate for him. Crying out to him and praying in his spirit. In our quiet times, we need to put God first and truly seek him. And maybe for you, that means to put your phone away or put it on silent. Maybe it means to turn off the TV in the background or turn off the radio. Maybe that means to put away all the distractions around you and go into a quiet place. Maybe that means to intentionally plan time to spend with God that you know you're going to be alone. Whatever that may mean for you, do it. Because we need to pray and to seek God intentionally and wholeheartedly. 
Did you know that it's possible for us as Christians to pray but yet not seek God? Yeah, it is. It is possible for us because those three-minute little prayers that we pray sometimes in the morning when we get up or just before we go to bed will not suffice to continue our relationship with Christ. It will not help us to dive in to know him more, to understand his will for us, to know what he wants for us. It will not suffice, but we need to truly have that intimate time with God, that we seek him out and we spend that time, that we get to know him even more, more, and more. To seek out God means that you desperately desire to meet with him, to hear from him, to know his will for your life. And while those three-minute prayers are okay, they will not help us to do just that. We're all seeking something, whether we realize it or not. It could be fame and wealth, it could be career goals or a spouse, it could be family or children, peace, adventure, whatever it may be, we're all seeking something. And while each one of those things in and of themselves are good, we need to above all seek out God more than anything else in this life. He is the most precious jewel that we will ever find. Everything God does or allows is for a reason. And sometimes he allows us to get uncomfortable enough so that we can be shaken up and woken up and that we can realize how much we truly need him. Could it be that during a time like this, God is telling us, come back, come back to me. Let's spend some more quality time together. Let's get reacquainted with each other. Come back and pray and seek my face. Seek me for your needs. In these times, we can pray, but it's how we pray and what we pray for that needs to be changed. I once heard someone say that was so profound that we cannot pray 10 cent prayers and expect million dollar answers. It just doesn't happen. Do your prayers need to change? Because this is the time for it to happen. The third thing that God tells us to do in these times is number three, we need to repent of our sin and change our ways. Repent of our sin and change our ways. He says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. In this passage, God says, turn from their wicked ways, which literally means to repent. You see, repentance means to completely stop in your tracks and change the direction that you are going in, to turn away from the way that you were going. That is what repentance literally means. And for him to say and turn from their wicked ways means for them to repent, means for us to repent of our sins. Have you ever received an apology from someone and you just knew that it wasn't sincere or genuine? Well, I have. 
And it almost comes across as an insult because you know, for whatever reasons, maybe it's how they're saying it, the words that they're saying, the um, atmosphere that it's in, that they're just not being genuine and sincere. And they're just saying it because either they have to or they feel it's the right thing to do. But it's really an insult if they're not actually sorry. You see, if someone is truly sorry for what they have done, then their behavior changes. And in the same way in the Christian life, we cannot continuously come to God asking him uh, for uh, repentance when we are not repentant. We cannot say sorry for things that we're not actually sorry for doing. And so maybe this is the time in your life right now where you need to truly seek out God and say, God, show me the things in my life that need to change. Show me the things that I have been doing and ask him to truly help you to change your behavior, to repent and to turn from those ways, to change them completely. And the good news is this. He says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The good news is that God is willing and he is able to forgive each and every one of us. But we need to do our part to come before this holy God, to confess our sins and to ask him to acknowledge truly the fact that we need his forgiveness, especially in this time. As I mentioned earlier, God is speaking here to his people. And in doing so, what he's doing is he's calling us out on the things that we've done. He's calling us out on the sins that we've committed. He's calling us out on the wrongs that we have done. And he's saying, it's time for you to change. It's time for things to be different. It's time for you to turn away from the course that you were once going on and to come back to me because only then will I hear you. You see, we usually think that the message of repentance is a message for those who don't know God, for those who don't know Jesus, for those who don't identify as Christians, and to a certain extent that is true. However, God is not only concerned about those who are lost, but he's concerned about those who call themselves his, who call themselves Christians, but yet don't act like it. He's concerned about those who want to have a relationship with him, but don't want the change to happen in order to do so. He wants us to be in right relationship with him. God is pure and he is holy and he expects us to strive to be just like him. A popular preacher, John MacArthur said, it is simply needs to be said. Why in the world would we expect the nation to repent when the church won't even repent? There are many times where people are running around calling for the nation to repent who need to be calling for the church to also repent. Unless churches repent and turn from sins and pursue holiness, there's no hope for the nation. How true it is that we cannot be clean vessels who go out to reach the lost, to encourage people to live in a way that we ourselves are not even living in. 
We, the church, need to set an example. We need to repent. We need to change our ways and strive to live holy and pleasing lives to God. It's time for us to sincerely ask for forgiveness, to decide that we are going to recommit ourselves and to continually strive to seek God out and not intentionally choose to sin. If we call ourselves his, if we call ourselves Christians, then we need to make sure that we're acting as such, that our behavior our words, our actions, all that we are, are Christ-like. So let me ask you, are there some changes that need to happen in your life? Are there some things that you've allowed to remain in your life that really shouldn't be there? Are there things that you need to ask God to help you to remove, to get rid of, to change, to throw away? Because today is the day that you can truly repent and change your ways. We don't need to hold on to the things that weigh us down, the burdens that we have to carry them around. We don't need to hold on to those things when we can live forgiven, free, and changed, and all because we can give it to Jesus. In the Bible, we read several times of how God used many prophets of the day and even the disciples to bring about messages of repentance and warning to the people and to tell them about this God who truly loves them, to urge them to turn back to God, to throw away their idols, to repent of their sins. And that is not just a message for those people in that day, but God is telling us the same today. God hears our prayers, and he desires to forgive us and heal us. He desires to forgive us and heal us and heal our land, heal our city, heal our country, heal our world. Then, when those things are done, will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. God is not one who takes pleasure or delights in seeing his people suffer. In fact, it's the complete opposite. Because he didn't want us to suffer, he sent his son Jesus to die in our place to save us from the consequences of our sin. God not only loves us, but he is the complete expression of love. And he wants a relationship with each and every one of us. You see, it grieves God so much when we, his creation, turn our backs on him and don't acknowledge him or choose to live as if he doesn't even exist. Far too many people are choosing to live however they want without realizing and understanding that there are some serious consequences to our actions and God will only tolerate so much. You see, in the Bible, we read in Genesis chapter 6 of a man named Noah and how Noah and his family were spared when God chose to wipe out the entire world by flood. We also read the story of Sodom and Gomorrah and how there was so much evil and corruption and sin in that day that God wiped out an entire city by fire and brimstone, sparing only Lot and his family. If God can do that because he is a just God, then why in the world do we think that God won't punish us for our sins and the corruption going on in our world? 
People who have turned their backs on God need to understand that he is real and that although he is complete love, he is a just God. This is a heavy message, but in fact, it's actually a simple message with a heavy plea that it is time to repent. This is a call for us to repent, for us who do not acknowledge God to turn to him and to acknowledge him, for us who do acknowledge God to recommit ourselves to him and to ask him to forgive us for what we have done wrong. It's time for us as Christians to cry out to God and stop using just the title of being Christians to think that we are just safe and exempt from any punishment. If we are going to call ourselves Christians, then we need to live as such. It's time for people who say that there is no God, who don't believe in God or think that God is whoever you believe him to be, to wake up and to understand that there is only one true living God and his name is Jesus Christ. There is only one way to heaven. And here is some harsh truth right now. Life is short, it is temporary, and it can end for any of us at any moment, and we need to be prepared. Where will you spend eternity? Where will we spend eternity? The decision we make right now on earth is so crucial. It is so important because the decision that we choose to make right now affects the rest of eternity. It affects all of eternity forever. You see, when this life here is over, there are no do-overs. There are no second chances. There are no restarts. That is it. And so the decision that we choose to make right now will affect the rest of where we spend eternity. I don't tell you this to scare you. I tell you this to warn you and to urge you that now is the time that we have to change and to repent. And especially because we have a God who longs to have a relationship with us. A God who loves us so much that we will never fully be able to comprehend the amount of love that he has for us. There is only one true living God, and he tells us, call upon the name of the Lord and you shall be saved. The name of Jesus carries so much power. It has the power to forgive and to free, to change and to break chains of bondage, to heal and to cast out demons. The name of Jesus has the power to save. There is no other name under heaven by which we must be saved but only Jesus. That is why God says, don't take my name in vain, because it is so powerful. The name of Jesus is power. Have you called upon the name of the Lord? Do you need to call upon the name of the Lord and to come back to him? You see, before we can go back there needs to be some deep cleaning happening. And I'm not just talking about the building, but there needs to be some deep cleaning happening in the body of Christ. In order for us to be clean vessels, to carry out the will of God and to reach others for him, we first need to do deep cleaning in our own lives and ask God's spirit to clean us out and to make us 
clean vessels. Today is an important day. Today, for some of you, you're making the decision for the very first time to put your faith and trust in Jesus, and that is exciting. For others of you, maybe today is the day where you are saying, God, I have walked away. God, although I am a Christian and I know you, I have done my own thing. And today is the day that you need to come back and to rededicate and recommit yourself to God. I want to encourage you to keep watching till the very end of the service. And I want for those of you who are making a decision today to stay tuned, especially as I want to take moments to lead you in a prayer of repentance and salvation or, or rededication so that you can be in right standing with God, so that you can make that decision for certain today. It's time to begin to get even more serious about our relationship with God it's time for us to desire the Holy Spirit to clean us up, to make us new, to change us and transform us. And how good it is to know that we serve a God who is willing and able to do that for us and with us. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, indeed we thank you for this time that we can share in your word together. Lord, we know that there is so much that we have to look to you for. We acknowledge, O oh God, that we need you, that you are God and that we are not. We ask you, God, to forgive us for the things that we have done wrong, for the many times that we have turned our backs on you, and we pray that you would help us, O oh God, to live lives that are holy and that are pleasing to you, that you would help us to seek you, O oh God, to not just pray little prayers, but to pray deep, meaningful prayers where we know you more and more. And so, God, we desire you. We desire to hear from you. We desire to see your hand move in our lives and in our world, and we desire to see your healing come. We thank you, O oh God, for the love that you have for us, for the grace and the mercy that you have given us even when we haven't deserved it. And we thank you, O oh God, for this time together. May you bless each one. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for sharing in our service today. As I said earlier in my message, this is a simple message with a heavy plea that it is time for us to repent. If you've made a decision today to trust Jesus as your Savior and Lord, then I want to take a minute to lead you in a prayer of repentance, in a prayer of salvation. And so feel free, if this prayer expresses the desire of your heart, to read with me, to pray it with me as I lead you. Lord, for far too long, I've kept you out of my life. I admit that I am a sinner. I need you, and I want your forgiveness. I accept your death as the penalty for my sin, and I recognize that your mercy and grace is a gift you offer to me because of your great love, not based on anything I have done, Cleanse me and make me your child. By faith, I receive you into my heart as Savior and Lord of my life. From now on, help me live for you, with you in control. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. For others of you who maybe are Christians and have been for a long time, maybe today is a day that you've made that decision to ask God to forgive you for times that you've turned your back on him or for times that you've put him last or put other things before him. And if you want to pray this prayer of repentance and rededication with me, then you pray it along with me as we pray. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, your word says, if we confess our sins, that you are faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I confess my sins, and I thank you for your forgiveness and cleansing me. Father, I desire a closer walk with you. I rededicate my spirit, my mind, my soul, and my body back to you. And I ask you for a fresh anointing upon my whole life. I thank you for the blood of Jesus, which continually cleanses me from all unrighteousness. Help me to live in a way that is holy and pleasing to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you prayed any of these prayers with me today, then I want to encourage you to let us know. This is a big deal, and this is a decision that will change your life. In fact, it's the most important decision that you can ever make. And so if you prayed this prayer, please let us know. Feel free to leave a comment or to email us directly at office at rosewoodchurch.ca so that we can connect with you and help you along your spiritual journey. I also want to challenge you, those who are watching this video, to share it with other family members and friends who you feel need to hear it. I believe that this is an important message, not because I preached it, but because I believe it's a message that our world needs to hear. And so I challenge you to share this video, to send it directly to those who the Holy Spirit is leading you to send it to, and to pray a prayer before you send it that God will truly speak to each one of them. We thank you for watching with us and to worship with us this today, this day. And so we encourage you to continue to share our videos, subscribe to our channel so that you don't miss any of them. And we thank you for worshiping. May God bless you and your family, cover you with his hand, and keep you in his perfect peace. God bless you.